welcome to the Small Business Leadership Podcast. I'm Jason Johnson. And I'm Tom Patton. There are more than 30 million small businesses in the United States alone, which accounts for nearly all U.S. businesses. But what does it take to be successful in a small business? On this podcast, we talk with small business owners and others about leadership and what it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. Welcome to this episode of the Small Business Leader Podcast. My name is Jason Johnson, and I'm happy to be joining you guys again. This week, we have a guest. His name is Kevin Rambudan. He's a friend of mine, and it's going to be a slightly different format than we normally have. The reason is because uh, Kevin isn't exactly a small business leader, but he is a digital strategist uh, from New York and works for a big agency up in New York. And I just thought it would be awesome to have what I'm calling a digital strat chat uh, with somebody who operates at the highest levels to kind of bring some of that insight to small business leaders and our listeners around the world. So Kevin, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk more about this. Excellent. So for those of you who obviously don't know Kevin, which is everybody, uh, Kevin's an associate director at Spark Foundry. And I'll let Kevin go into a little bit more of his background in regards to digital strategy and kind of how he's got where he is today. Yeah, sure. So currently, as you said, I am at Spark Foundry. Um, I did begin at the same company. They have rebranded themselves um, since I first worked with them when I initially joined. They were um, known as MediaVest. Um, and more, most people will know them for their uh, holding company, which is Publicis, which um, in the world of media agencies, there there happens to be a, a handful of, of those holding companies that really oversee the majority of the media activity that um, takes place in this country. So Publicis is where I am and where I started. I initially worked on Procter & Gamble, was there for about a year. And while I do work in strategy and I do work in digital strategy, I'm a cross-channel strategist, um, so touching on areas of online and offline media, so out of home, TV, uh, radio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, worked on Procter & Gamble for about a year, and then from there made my way over to LG Electronics, where I worked in the teleco space for a little bit, helping them try to move up the ranks a little bit, if you will, for um, their mobile devices. Everyone knows Samsung. Everyone knows Apple. Um, LG was number three, and they were just really looking to make their way up into the top two spot. Still still trying today. Um, after that, made my way onto some pharmaceutical accounts. I worked with um, Eli Lilly on some diabetes brands, so I was able to really touch on some more of the uh, pharma and legal jargon that goes on within the media space, because obviously when you're advertising drugs, there's a lot that goes behind that in terms of regulatory approvals. Uh, from there, I decided to take a... Uh, a right turn and move into insurance. Um, not too far of a right turn, though, because I stayed in health insurance. Um, had most of my growth on the Cigna Health Insurance team at OMD. Their um, holding company is Omnicom, the largest holding company uh, for media agencies in the world. Uh, worked there for a little over two and a half years, um, again, planning across all the channels, uh, media channels, and against all the different media segments out there, talking general market, uh, African-American, Asian, LGBTQ. Um, and, you know, these campaigns, when you're talking about these large companies, these large brands, they start on these full-level, full-year campaigns, but you're also planning these smaller incremental campaigns because, as we know, in the world of advertising, anything can happen at any moment, and you just have to be able to run with it. 
I spent a good amount of time that on Sigma. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's fascinating. So you've you've actually spent a fair amount of time working on extremely recognizable brands that I think a lot of our listeners absolutely would have heard of, uh, purchased. Like me, most recently, I bought an LG TV uh, recently. So you know, LG's seen a little bit of my money. Uh, so that that kind of stuff is fantastic. Um, so in an effort to kind of bring some of this a little bit more down to earth for some of our smaller. Uh, businesses, you mentioned the fact that you guys would do like a one year plan on, you know, some of your campaigns and all that kind of stuff, but then have micro campaigns that run in the middle. Absolutely. To, to, to start at probably what I consider to be one of the most fundamental aspects of any digital strategy is, you know, what do you consider to be some of the must haves in any good digital plan or in, in any good, in any good strategy, I should say. In terms of a, what you need from a base on a digital plan, I mean, first and foremost, and this is what you learn from day one when you're in the agency world as they're teaching you about the in and outs of media, especially within digital, you need to have that search baseline. It doesn't matter if you have a 50K plan. It doesn't matter if you have a $50 million plan. It doesn't matter if you have $200 million plan. Search is your baseline. If you do not have search, people do not know where to find you. If people do not know where to find you, you're never going to grow your business. So that right is, on. that is the of the utmost importance, and I cannot emphasize how much when it comes down to the point of budget cuts and even in times right now like COVID, where you know all of these companies are reining in their budgets, and one of the first places people look to slash is their marketing budgets. No matter what you do, you keep your search on there because if you lose that, there goes any chance of people potentially finding you because that's where everyone's going to look for whatever product you might be offering is the internet. If you're not popping up when they're searching for you, you're not going to grow. So for really big companies, right? And the fact that you mentioned search, uh, I'm going to shamelessly say it's it's one of our core competencies. But the what I find interesting and what I think would be interesting to share is how do big organizations measure their search traffic? So um, they normally do it by on a cost per click. And uh, they look at their click-through rates. Those are two big things they look at. Um, a lot of a lot of the companies really will focus in on that. Unfortunately, and I, if I'm being fully transparent, one of the things with the larger companies that I feel um, is un, is to their disadvantage is that a lot of the people who are running the media and marketing behind these um, big names aren't very knowledgeable of the search space. Um, it's something we are we're looking to educate them on on every brand I've worked on. Um, like I said, we always stress the importance of search and why it should be there. And they will, as as the experts, they will listen to us there. But generally, um, they will just look at cost per click and um, click-through rates um, to see how search is performing. It isn't anything that's super technical, anything super advanced in the search world, but it's unfortunately how these bigger companies have been measuring their success. So that's really cool because it's one of the things we do with our clients, right? We actually help them take their organic channel and their organic traffic and try and help them equate a value to it. And we do the same thing, right? We'll actually take and look at what market pay-per-click budgets are for specific keywords that we're optimizing for, and then take that value and show them what their traffic is worth if they'd actually had to pay for it. So in big spaces, you're saying they're fundamentally doing the same thing. 
Essentially. I mean, it's essentially the same thing. It's a lot of us trying to educate them and showing the value of what search is bringing to the table for their overall brand goals. That's awesome. So that's a fantastic segue because we one of the other things that I love to talk about with regards to digital strategy and digital marketing is goals. So for larger organizations, what's a typical goal that they would want to have included in any of their uh, in, in any of their efforts? So depending on the specific campaign itself, a lot of times when you're looking at digital, they want to look, um, if you're talking really traditional and people who don't really understand the space that well, they will get very antiquated. And they're like, what is my impression count? How many impressions am I delivering? Which if you know anything about the way digital works, you kind of sigh and you're like, are you kidding me? Are we really talking impressions right now as a way of success? But um, that's generally at least on my Signa account, was the way that they would look at um, measuring how well a campaign did. Um, Click-through rate, again, is a big one. Um, they also like to see how their search volume increases and traffic um, increases to their homepage. Um, and then, of course, depending on your product, right? Are we driving them finally down the funnel to make a purchase, um, to make a download? Whatever your offering may be, they, they'll also look at see how how we were able to bring that consumer along the journey. And if we were able to increase, be it prescription fills or be it downloads for an app or anything of that sort. Awesome. So for those of us who are who are kind of newer or not as well educated in the digital space, allow me a second. An impression is when an ad is actually shown on a screen. So every time an ad appears on a screen, whether it's a mobile device, a desktop or a tablet, it's counted as one impression. So when Kevin was talking about impressions, that that's what it was that he mentioned. Um, and the reason why it's a very elementary measure is because just because an impression is registered, meaning an ad appeared on the page, there's no guarantee that the viewer actually looked at it. So for example, I have a 27 inch iMac. You could probably pop up 10 ads on my screen. All 10 of them would have an impression registered but I might have only glanced at one of them. So that's one of the reasons why impression share, uh, while important, especially for branding campaigns, is not necessarily the most effective measure for you know determining if something is being effective or not. So Absolutely. That, that's like, for our, our less digitally educated. Oh, yes, yes. And I mean, the other thing to add, just to add, build on that is that you never know with impressions, right? To your point, an impression is an ad served on the screen. Are we talking about a banner ad, your standard digital ad that'll appear on the side of the page? Or is this a custom content execution where you have a full homepage takeover and it blacks out the whole screen? The, an impression doesn't know the difference between the two. So when you're coming out with these different kinds of digital um, campaigns, there's, there's obviously different types of ways to serve the ad, but at the end of the day, an impression just counts every, it, it puts everything on an, uh, even playing field and counts it as one view. And that's, again, to your point, just quite, quite elementary way of looking at it. Awesome. So uh, if you don't mind, why don't we, um, in order to, I think, deliver a lot of value to, to some of my listeners who are, who are small businesses, if we were to build a campaign for a fictional business, right, and, and let's kind of do that right now in the form of a conversation, right, what would be some of the things that we would look at if they were, let's say, for example, um, let's go with like a home-based service business or a B2C business. Let's go with like, for example, real estate. If we were going to build a, a, a campaign for 
a real estate agent or agency, what would be some of the, the, the fundamental things you'd want to see included in that campaign? Well, of course, you know, as always, we talking top line, there there are things I will I will mention and say what I would like to see on it. But of course, at the end of the day, you would want to know certain details like what is your target audience and where are you located? You know, what are your goals and what are you trying to achieve from this campaign? Because at the end of the day, your KPI is the most important thing, your key performance indicator, right? And that's that's the thing that at the end of the day determines every campaign. Because if you're trying to just drive awareness of your brand, that we're talking about a very different type of campaign versus if we're trying to if your end goal is conversion and you know adoption and purchasing the product so just throwing that so out for there small businesses i will say that conversion and adoption of the product is 95% of the game brand building kind of falls as like a 5% secondary that may be like a a good additional add on at the end but the focus is typically at some type of conversion and for all practical intents and purposes of our example yeah we're not going to focus on a specific area we're just going to talk in generalities Okay. So if we're talking B2C and we're talking about a real estate agency um, looking to get people to go work for them, I think one of the first things you want to do um, is figure out location-wise, like I said, is this most real estate agents, I would assume this is a local play. It's a small business. You want to figure out your DMA and the audience you're trying to hit there. I think what's important to know about your audience is... um, at least an age an age group if they're not entirely sure if you want to hit everyone that's that's great but it's always nice to at least know where your age range is falling so that you can have a better idea of what channels you choose to play in um but i think at the end of the day it's important like i said try to get a plan going with like google or try to get a plan going with you know any sort of Bing, any sort of those search players so that you have your baseline search in play. And then from um, a digital play, depending on how much budget you have, you can look to do a programmatic play. Um, I'm not sure if these small businesses are all privy to what programmatic media is, but it's a biddable environment where you kind of get the most bang for your buck and you allow yourself to reach your target audience um, by basically minute by minute just like bidding on free inventory in spaces that you know your target audience is um, is looking on the internet or on their phone. So I think it, uh, programmatic display buys are always a great way to play. Um, when we're talking digital too, I think audio streaming is a great place to play. People are always streaming. People are always listening. Um, but be that on their morning commutes, be that during their workday, um, I feel like that's one of the areas that is um, growing and is thriving even in this COVID environment that we are in right now. So the ability to run an ad on a Pandora or a Spotify or anything like that, you have a more engaged audience there. They're already tuned in. They're listening to their music. They're listening to their podcast. They're listening to whatever it may be. So you they they're into so you're you're definitely able to capture their attention a little bit more there than let's just say your basic banner ad that'll pop up um on on a digital web page um i also think that paid social i mean is a very important place to be everyone's on social media social media is ever growing um you get all age ranges in there and it's something that people do mindlessly and we're partnering with someone such as a facebook where you can tap in and work with the Facebook um, Inc. But, you know, 
within Facebook Inc. You're partnering and getting Facebook itself, but you're also getting Instagram um, and working with those those partners like that to really just get your name out there is is truly of the greatest benefit, um, I think, to anyone that's trying to build their name and trying to get people to learn more about their brand, especially in a real estate setting. You're listening to the Small Business Leadership Podcast with Tom Patton and Jason Johnson. We'll be back with more right after this. The Small Business Leadership Podcast is made possible by Broadreach Communications and Marlin Consulting Solutions. Marlin Consulting Solutions designs and builds dynamic and professional websites for businesses and organizations looking to grow their presence online. Their web design services provide the client with an awesome online presence, solves marketing and technical challenges, and helps you reach more customers to drive growth. Find them online at marlincs.com. Broadreach Communications provides professional communication services for small businesses that need those services but do not need a full-time communications director. They provide website content ranging from news and blog posts to podcasts and company newsletters. Broadreach Communications can help you stay in touch with existing customers and reach new ones. Find them online at broadreach.biz. Welcome back to the Small Business Leadership Podcast with Jason Johnson and Tom Patton. Let's get back to this episode. I think one of the key takeaways that I would like to just reinforce, and and you mentioned it numerous times, is that every business, whether they're big, small, massive, tiny, microscopic, all need to make sure that they clearly define their customers, right? You have to define your, your target audience. The better the definition of your target audience, the more effective your advertising will be. Would would that be something you agree with? Oh, 100%. And I will say it's the biggest struggle that I think any company, you can talk, you know, your larger, your Coca-Colas and Pepsis of the world, and you can talk about your mom and pop shops that are are just starting up, that knowing your key audience is something that people will struggle with because it's, it's so important for us to have. But at the same time, you know, people they struggle with this because they want to reach the masses and they want everyone to buy their product. And then they're like, Oh, well, let's just make it adults 18 plus. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's say we are targeting adults 18 plus. That's sure. We can do that. We, we can d- build an audience profile segment and understand more about an adult 18 plus and how to reach them. But if you give us more details, if you're telling us, I want someone who is an adult who is, over the age of 30, and, and for the purposes of this, we're talking real estate agency here, an adult over the age of 30, let's say they're, I want to know that they're making an income of over $150,000 a year. You're trying to reach that more affluent person who's looking to make more of a bigger purchase and investment. They have the, they have the extra funds. And when they're looking to make their real estate buy, they're looking to buy something. It's a little bit more, a little bit more expensive than your average house um, cost in whatever market you're talking about those little details that you flesh out and provide to your agencies or whoever your partner is will only be to your benefit and help us achieve your goals ever more so no that's that's a fantastic point um i I always tell my clients you know at times when we have more general conversations you can't be everything to everybody so be awesome to to who's the best fit right and uh you know that that's kind of i guess what the crux of what we're talking about here um, sweet. So in our, in our, uh, 
fictitious world that we're we're semi creating right now. Uh, we talked about search. We talked about social. What are your views in from a big agency perspective on the effectiveness of email marketing? Because I feel like that for small businesses, that's one of the channels that they actually. Um, and I've always viewed it as their secret weapon, and I'd love to get your perspective because they're out networking uh, pre-COVID um, and even in COVID, digitally networking. But they're they're getting information, they're building contacts, they're connecting with people. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on that type of of marketing where it's it's like a direct message? Direct messaging, yeah, I was going to say, correct. Uh, direct messaging. Um, Depending on your product and depending on your um and your goals and your for your brand, absolutely. You know, you're creating a lead. Lead aggregators, um, those are an amazing way to connect with your audience. I think it depending on to your point, the product that you're talking about, it can be very effective for something like real estate. It could work. Listen, if you if you're able to get any more information about the person and get them to sign up to be on an email list you're getting that much closer to getting them in your in your office, getting them one step closer to being someone to work with with you because now you've created a connection with them, right? You're not, they're just not someone who's searching for you. They're not just someone who just happened to stumble upon you on scrolling through an Instagram ad or, you know, perusing on group on Google real estate searches. They are now, you now have their information. You now have an in, a, a, a sort of private in, if you will, another way to reach them and tailor your messages to them to appeal to them. Um, it is, I agree with you, it is a secret weapon. And it's not, I will say, it's not necessarily always effective for every brand. And it depends on your brand and your product. But those leads and creating those lead lead aggregators um, can be very, very beneficial uh, depending on your campaign and its goals. So, and, and I agree, right? Like just, just having email addresses isn't enough. Uh, but I, I think you would agree that it circles back around also to knowing your, uh, knowing your audience, right? Um, being able to take an email address or get an email address isn't always the best answer if you can't understand who the person is and how they could be and how they should be segmented, right? So within email marketing, having a big email list is great, but having a, an email list that is actually subdivided into uh, referral partners, so people who could potentially generate referrals or connections for you versus people who are potentially a first-level customer or even people who could potentially be a second level customer, right? So they might not be in a business position to refer you uh, clients, but they could be in a personal position to refer you clients. And having those separations and segmentations, I think, are extremely important. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. And so for, for larger organizations, right, when they when they look at, at their marketing and they look at their budgeting, um, I know for small businesses, sometimes budget's the biggest challenge, right? And there's there's potentially people listening to this podcast right now and saying, you know, this sounds great, Jason, but you know, and some of the stuff you guys are talk talking about, but you know, this is this stuff's going to be like ridiculously expensive, and like, how much is this going to cost? Um, without getting too much into budget, with, with regards to how larger organizations view their budgets, do you have any insights in in how a budget is viewed and like the consumption of the budget? for a large organization. So are you, would you say more in reference to like how much of 
based on the organization's size, how much of the budget they're allocating towards their media and marketing efforts. So that could be one answer. What I was thinking was like when you guys, when you engage with an organization and they say, all right, listen, we're going to allocate, you know, $50,000 to an advertising budget because we're a massive and, you know, we're a big organization. Um, The goal I know for a lot of small businesses is, you know, spend as little as possible and maximize the return. Totally. Right. But for larger organizations, I have also heard that the goal is to consume as much of the budget as possible uh, with the purpose being to be as effective as we possibly can, right? So it's not about it's not about saving money. It's about effectively spending money. And I think like that's what I'd love to get your feedback on, you know, that, as the, the that, difference that between is, those, uh, those two perspectives. No, I, I, I mean, you said, you said it well there. The, the budgets are... The budgets are large, but at the same time, budgets, whether you're a small business or you're a large business, budgets are always a challenge. And don't, I, like small business owners, I'm sure, you know, are you're starting a business, so you're knowledgeable on these things. But like, don't think that just because you're an Apple, you are not strapped on your marketing budget. Um, you might have bigger dollars, but you are still, marketing dollars are still very hard to come by. And it's still, at least from the inner workings of all the companies I've I've been um, I've been a client too. They are always internally fighting for their dollars and always having to justify every single penny that they're spending to show that they're getting a positive ROI on all of the um, allocations that have been given to their department, their marketing department. Um, so to your point, yes, a hundred percent. It's about maximizing your dollars to get the most effective buy that you can when possible. There are one-off situations to hear from now and again where you know you might have someone more at the c-suite level like if someone at cigna knows it's just an example here but if the ceo of cigna is working on a deal with another insurance company or um with a, a cvs or a walgreens if these mergers are starting to happen and you see them more um and more often and they have some news that they want to share. There might be an influx of your marketing budget coming in to support an announcement behind these things. And when those budgets come in, it's not necessarily about effectiveness at that point. Um, their goal is just get my name out there, get a big, I want everyone to see this. I want that ad on the Wall Street Journal. I want a homepage takeover on Wall Street Journal. I want a Good Morning America um, ad running on the online video place. And I want a spot on good morning America, um, during the 8am spot, prime news time, however it may be. That's when those one off unique situations come in where they really want to make a blast and they just want to get their name out there. And at that point, it's not so much about what those dollars are delivering, but just how we go about showcasing the brand and making them this bigger, greater than life um feel to what they do and what their ceo or their executives want to that's just kind of more of a the chief executive being like oh look at me look at my brand look at look at what we did there are those situations however on a day-to-day basis it's about effectiveness and a lot of times because they are so strapped for funds and they have to justify every dollar that they're spending that effectiveness and driving that ROI is so important to them that at the end of the day, we are doing more of those programmatic buys and more of those, more of those, I don't want to call them basic, but more of those simple buys that guarantee you more bang for your buck 
um, as opposed to the flashy, cool, you know, innovative takes that you can do in digital marketing. Sure. Um, so in, in talking about the different views with regards to budget, um, I, I guess the next logical question is, you know, what would you recommend as one of the more, um, I guess, in effective or important metrics for measuring success to help you figure out ROI? Um, in the small business space, I always tell uh, my clients that one of the one of the variables to look at that's a super important variable, no matter the channel, whether it's organic search or paid search, uh, social media, digital, uh, you know, uh, social media, print, you know, radio, is cost per lead (CPL). Right. Um, the reason why I, I focus on that so so much is because uh, it's it's actually one of the easier ones for us to measure as an external corporation uh, or company working with them, um, and I'd love to get your take on on that as well. I mean, cost per leads are are a great way of measuring it because at the end of the day, that's that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, how much are you actually investing to get one? person in the door get one person to get that product for you right so it's like at the end of the day that is that is a an amazing way to really tell like how effective you're truly being in your marketing campaign um i think for the purposes of what i've worked on and because the brands tend to be larger um a lot of the times what we're looking to is that if it tends to be a little bit more high level than that and i think for us our if we're able to drive someone to a homepage, if we're able to drive someone to a login, if we're able to drive someone to get their, I know emails to your point, as we were saying earlier, doesn't necessarily mean anything, but get someone to sign up in some form or capacity. I think that generally shows, um, shows a good amount of success for the campaigns that I have worked on just because it knows that we've, we've been able to pull that person one step further down the purchasing funnel. So, and that, that's a really great point. And I think another fantastic segue um, into our, well, I, I think we could kind of continue talking about this for forever, but um, we'll, we'll let this be the last segment. So you've mentioned the term funnel many times uh, in the course of our chat and funnels, I feel are one of the places that small and medium sized businesses really separate themselves from their competition. Those that have effective funnels, um, you know, work really well. And those that kind of have a haphazard approach to, to their customer journey tend to struggle a little bit and do a lot more cyclical up-down client acquisition, right? Um, would you mind taking a second and explaining to our listeners what a funnel actually is? Sure. So when you look at a purchasing funnel, this is, it's generally, to take a step back, generally the purchasing funnel comes into play for us at the beginning of a campaign, because generally at the start of a campaign, God willing, it rarely happens, but you get a brief from the client. Sometimes you don't get a brief and you just got to basically build a brief out yourself on what the campaign objectives and goals are. Now, when you get that brief in, you generally want to look at the, this uh, purchasing funnel. The purchasing funnel uh, is just imagine an upside down triangle. Um, at the top is your awareness level. And then it just keeps driving down into the different stages of where you're trying to capture your consumer, right? At the top is awareness, just making them aware of your brand. Who are you? What do you do? And getting them just to be a little bit more familiar 
with um, the name. So if you just hear it, like I say Cigna, you know what Cigna is. You might not have Cigna, but you know what it is. That's your awareness level. As you move down the funnel, it becomes more about getting them engaged with the brand. So then it's like, okay, I know Cigna. Now let me go look at the website and look at their offerings. Then it becomes to, um, then it moves down into a conversion standpoint where it's like, I've learned about Cigna. Now let me go ahead and try to make Cigna my health insurance provider. So it's like, that's a very top line because the funnel, the funnel has a couple of different steps in it. But essentially what you're looking at is a view of how do you get someone from the top to the bottom, get them to just know who you are by name, to get them to be someone who's part of your consumer base. And depending on the goals of your campaign, you might start at the top and work your way to the bottom. But if you already have a built out uh, trusted audience, and you have people that you already are know are loyal to your brand, you're not necessarily starting at the top already. Everyone knows who LG is. You don't necessarily need to bring out an awareness play for LG. You might be working more on that conversion factor. To your point, you just bought an LG TV. LG has your information. LG already knows, quote unquote, that you're a customer and potentially a loyal customer if you've worked with them in the past. They're not trying to make you as a person aware of LG at this point. They're trying to retain you and just keep you coming back to purchase more products. You are not going to be someone, if their marketing campaigns are done correctly, who necessarily is going to be receiving top level uh, ads, like top of the funnel ads. You're going to be receiving more bottom level ads because they're like, you're already a consumer. You're already a loyal person who've purchased our products. How do we keep you coming back? That's a, that's a really good point. And I think that it also kind of shines a light on um, a couple of the things that people uh, need to think about as a small business. Right. And, and you kind of mentioned that, which is, you know, understanding that Part of it sometimes is just letting people know who you are and what you do uh, before you go into the whole like buy from me, buy from me, buy from me mode, right? Which is, which is, I think, a step that quite a few um, uh, people actually, you know, skip or fail to look at. And they get distracted by it because they focus 100% on the buy for me, a central like bottom of the funnel. And mm-hmm. they don't spend enough time focusing on the top of the funnel where they, you know, where they actually have the ability to, to easily start sharing that information without, you know, yeah. without going too crazy. Um, so, Definitely. yeah, so I guess that was the come. That's the, the finish of my thought on that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no education of the education of the uh of the brand is is very important because with education you bring, you start to you start to build that trust um with you and the consumer and that ultimately helps eventually bring them down the purchase funnel that's fantastic. So in summary, right, because we're going to wrap up soon. In summary, what we're saying is if somebody wanted some key bullets and takeaways, uh, most importantly, have a plan. You shouldn't enter any kind of digital marketing strategy or, or any other uh, type of action without having a plan. Um, second, know how to measure it or know how you are expected to measure it. Uh, that way you can you can start figuring out success or failure faster. Lastly, know who you're going to market to as part of your plan. So it's not only a plan about what and how, it's a plan of who. And then um, 
Last but not least, don't forget the entire journey. Uh, not every customer journey starts at the point of purchase. Uh, most customer journeys start at the point of introduction. Would you say those are that's a fair summary? That is a fair summary. And if there's one little piece I can add on, which you know some people might be a little a little hesitant to do if they're new to the media or marketing world, um, is don't be afraid to pivot. Right? You need to be willing to um, accept how your campaign is performing and optimize your campaign as it's going along. And if that means that you have to change your plan or change your budgets and reallocate how you're dividing your money against your strategy, stay open to that. Don't stay closed to this is what we set out to do and this is all we are doing and we are not changing it. Because in order to see that success, you have to measure those metrics, those success metrics you, you mentioned throughout the campaign and start to adjust the campaign accordingly to make sure that you hit those end goals that you were set out to achieve. Fantastic. That is a great addition to that. Um, and I think a perfect way to end. Kevin, man, I really appreciate you taking some time out to what I'm sure is a super busy day uh, and and sharing some of your time and your knowledge with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course. It was, it was great talking about this. It's a nice, a nice change from the day-to-day work. Perfect. Well, um, everybody, that's about it. Uh, lots of great nuggets, lots of great information uh, in this, like I said, different format to our Small Business Leader podcast. As usual, I really appreciate you guys joining us, taking time out of your busy day and listening. And once again, thank you to Kevin for joining us. So that's it. That's a wrap, everybody. And as I've said many times before, uh, never underestimate small businesses. Small businesses are the engines of the global economy, and they lift all types of economies throughout the world. It doesn't have to be a massive business to be a big impact as a small business. So thanks again, everybody, and have a great week. The Small Business Leadership Podcast is produced by Marlin Consulting Solutions and Broadreach Communications. Be sure to join us again for the next edition of the Small Business Leadership Podcast. And remember to look for the opportunity in every challenge.